Bokatov, we are continuing Sefer Yehoshua. We are in the 17th chapter. I believe we are. 14. In Pasuk 14. And we got to here. We did the family of Yosef, correct? And we said the family of. We have the family of Ephraim and the family of Menasheh, both the sons of Yosef. The thing about the Menasheh's family is that it contained the daughters of Tzilofchad who finally get their portion. Then we went through Menasheh's territories and then we pointed out that Ephraim and Menasheh both had cities of their people that were located in other tribes' territories. And then we went through all of those. And then now today we have complaint time. Complaint from the families of Yosef. It seems like actually according to the Chachamim that are commenting on this that it's, it's actually just the family of Menasheh that is complaining. But Ephraim, because Menashe is their brother, they joined in the complaint also. So what is the complaint? People, the sons of Yosef say to Yoshua, why did you only give me one piece of inheritance or, or portion of land, uh, uh, one strip of land, for I am a great nation and God has blessed me as such. Yoshua said to them, If you are such a numerous people, you should go into the forest and clear it, the land of the Perizites and Rephaim, because the mountain range of Ephraim is too small for you. Meaning what I've given you so far is clearly too small for you. So, go into the forest, which is in your territory, and just cut down all the trees, and then He's go live there. What? He's goading them. He's basically saying, what's their request and what's his request? So, Yoshua's frustration with the people is that they haven't... Uh, uh, <laughs> Yoshua's frustration with the people is that they haven't they defeated haven't all the enemy. They haven't so conquered everyone. Go get it. And, then he, and then they're like, okay, Yoshua, give us some land... That is uninhabited, so we can go and take it. And he says, "No, there's enough land in your territory. You just, work. you just have to go work for it. It's in your land." And they're saying, "No, we don't want to work. We want bigger land that's already livable." And I say, "No, it's not that simple." Meaning, Yoshua's job wasn't to conquer every last person. It was just to to get rid of all the bigger enemies, and then the individual tribes should go and figure things out for themselves. So that's really the, what's going on in this argument. And then they, they, say, they said, the mountain will be insufficient for us. And the Canaanites that dwell in the valley, they all have uh, iron chariots. Those in Beit Sha'an and its villages and those in the valley of Je- in Ezra, in, in uh, Israel, they all have iron chariots. And now we really see their complaint. Their complaint is, we don't want to go to war. Yoshua says, excuse me, that's the whole point of this. If you're not ready to go to war, then you're not ready to take the land of Israel. So we know where this uh, argument is going to head. So Yoshua responded once again to the family of Yosef. You are a great nation and you have plenty of strength. You will not have just one portion. Rather, you will take that mountain which I said, you will take that forest. Uvereto, and you will clear it of its trees. And you will uh, you will cut down 
you will cut it down and the outskirts will be yours. You should get rid of the Canaanites even though they have chariots and even though they are strong. So basically, Yoshua rebuffs, exa- rebuffs them com- entirely. They say, we don't want to go, it's too much work, and we have to go to war. And Yoshua says, I'm not just going to give out extra land to you, land that all of Am Yisrael conquered, when your own territory has plenty of room for you if you follow the instructions of God and clear out the enemies. So that's exactly the, the, the debate here. And isn't, 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 isn't he like not prophesizing, but he's telling them like, this will happen if you go do it. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's like. the assumption. I think the assumption is that if they, if they go to war, they, God will make them succeed. I think that, that's like a given. Right? Wouldn't that be, not wouldn't, shouldn't that be enough at this point in time where they've seen God so many times. It's like obscene how many times God has intervened. And now he's saying, hey, do it. God will help you. And they're like, now we're good. Okay, I, I definitely think this, this, is, this piece is critical of B'nai Yosef. I agree with you. I think they should have gotten to the point where they said, have confidence in Borei Olam, they'll succeed. I think this, this is emblematic of the whole problem of what's going on. Yoshua conquers the broad swaths of land. He gets rid of the major enemies. And then now he's giving out the pieces of land to the individual tribes to go and get rid of the smaller towns by themselves. But that part they're not doing. And that part's going to come back to bite. It'll be a thorn in our side, as the Torah says. Because that's exactly the problem. Perak Yudchit. Uh, 18th chapter. A little background on, on what was going on uh, in terms of the Mishkan. Okay, we brought the Mishkan. Remember we brought the Aaron, right? Leading Am Israel into Israel was the Aaron. And then we brought the Mishkan. Obviously the, the Mishkan was, it doesn't say it explicitly, but we can assume that the Mishkan was brought. Where was the Mishkan uh, for all of this time? I mean, we know that in a few hundred years, indeed a few hundred years, uh, Shlomo is going to build the Beit HaMikdash. So what was going on from the time of entering the land until the Beit HaMikdash was built? So I'm going to read you this note in Art Scroll. It pretty much summarizes it perfectly. The tabernacle of the wilderness accompanied Israel into the land and was in Gilgal temporarily until the 14 years of conquest and distribution were over. So we had, a, Gilgal was the first city we encamped. That's where we kept the, the Mishkan for the 14 years that we, we, uh, we went to war. Remember we said this, the seven years we calculated from Kalev's age. And then there were seven years of distribution of the land. For all those 14 years, when the base of Bnei Israel was in Gilgal, the Mishkan remained in Gilgal. Okay. Then, at the end of that period, the tabernacle was transferred to Shiloh in the province of Ephraim where it would remain for 369 years until it was destroyed by the invading Philistines. Unlike the tabernacle of the wilderness, which had wooden walls covered by draperies, the tabernacle of Shiloh had stone walls with a drapery roof. Until it was erected at Shiloh, an individual Jew was permitted to set up a bama, a private altar, where some but not all offerings could be brought. And there, there were rules that came with this. For example, if whenever the Mishkan was at, at, at Gilgal for those 14 years, bamot were allowed. What is a bama? A bama is, let's say, I want to do a korban to Hashem. I could just make an altar in my backyard and do a korban in my backyard. Only once the mishkan was brought to Shiloh, bamot became forbidden. So no more personal sacrifices. The only sacrifices that are allowed are going to be at the central place of worship in Shiloh. 
And the reason for this is probably in order to stop Avodah Zarah. Because if you allow so many different types of, of kanisas to be built, so many t- different types of sacrificial areas of worship, it's very easy for that. It gets diluted. You'll have, uh, you'll have uh, some Yevusi people will be neighbors with the guy who's doing the korban. They'll say, oh, could we bring our korban to our God on your Mizbech? Oh, sure, why not? So, so the idea is to have the service of the Mishkan in a central location. So that's the background of the Mishkan Shiloh. And then by, by the time uh, Shilomo comes around, which is 350 plus years later, we move the central area of, lo- of worship from Shiloh to Yerushalayim for 420 years. Where is it? Like... We went through all the... Shiloh is in the, in the northern, northern-ish area of Israel. In, in the mountain of Ephraim region. So it, if you picture, I, don't, I, I, could, I mean, you could see it in the back of these books. My, my question is, people from the deep south of Israel had to travel to do and Korban and whatnot. Yeah, of course. They, people would bring Korban three times a year when they would travel to the Beit HaMikdash or to Shiloh. So three question, times a year for the Regalim, people would travel to these locations, Beit HaMikdash, Shiloh. Where would the complaints come from? That's why you're assuming um, the complaints were mostly Menashe. Where, where would, like Ephraim has almost everything it needs. Oh, you're saying Ephraim. Well, first of all, according to the Chachamim, Menashe was the main tribe complaining, not Ephraim. Yeah. No, I know. That's why I'm saying that's likely why, but they have... You're saying how could Ephraim they, complain when the Shiloh was in their territory? When they're the center of the land. It's literally saying they're... The I, uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, it was a, a big thing. So if you look at the map on, in my book, um, you see Yehuda's territory is in the south. Binyamin's territory is where the Beit HaMikdash is. So that's like Yerushalayim. Okay? So Ephraim would be north of that. Ephraim would be in, in the modern day, like, uh, I don't know, Shomron area. Modern day Shomron would be Ephraim. And it goes, it goes pretty far north. You know, it goes all the way up to around Gush Dan area. Dan is to the west of Ephraim. That's why today we call that whole area of Tel Aviv. It's called Gush Dan. The, the area of Dan. Okay. Alright. Perak uh, Should we do a little bit more? Perak Yutchet Pasuk Allah. Vayikalu kol adat b'nei Yisrael Shiloh. All of the children of Israel gathered at Shiloh and they placed there the tent of meeting, the Mishkan, and the land was conquered from before them. Now, left over in Israel who did not take their land were seven tribes. Why are there only seven? Let's count. Reuven, God, God on the eastern side. Menashe is part of Yosef. So, Menashe and Ephraim, they got their area. Um, Yehuda already got his territory okay. So that's 5 And Levi is not getting territory That's 6 So if you have 13 you Subtract 6 How many are you left with? 7 7 So there are 7 tribes left Okay Yeshua says to them Why are you guys being weak To go and conquer the land? That God has given you God God of your forefathers has given you Give yourselves three people per tribe. They should go, they should traverse the land, and they should do the cartography. They should map it out based on what each tribe deserves. 
Okay, you, you should go and send map makers to go and, and draw up the borders of the remaining seven tribes so that we can hurry up the process. What Yoshua is trying to do is trying to encourage them to go and take over their land. So he wants to give them the exact boundaries so that they know, okay, let us go. We have this territory. We're, we got it. We're going to go. Until now, it was a bit, it was a bit like random. They, they didn't know where to go. So the tribes were lingering. He wants to make it very clear. You go here, go and conquer it. Okay, so he's saying take three men, men per tribe. They should be your cartographers, and they will go and they'll draw up the remaining land that's needed. They'll set up, break it up into seven pieces. The Yehuda will be on the border in the south, and the house of Yosef will be on the border in the north, which is difficult because the house of Yosef is not so north. So I, I don't know what that means, but. You will break it up into seven portions And you bring those seven portions to me Meaning the maps of the seven portions to me And then I will do a lot A, a lot for a lottery for you And Borei Olam will tell us which tribe gets which of the seven portions That seems to be what's, what's the, the Peshat here Pasuk 7 And now it's going to explain why there are only seven one, because there are no Levim amongst you. And God and Reuven and Chassim and Asher, they took their portion east. And because of the Levim and because of, of, the, of the other tribes that took on the east, we only have seven left. So let's do seven. Let's break it up into seven. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll decide who gets what. Skip Yehuda, skip the Frimes. Right, I'm in the south and the other Oh, yeah, it said Yehuda is in the south and the Frimes is in the north. Right before uh, that. Uh, uh, uh. Good, good catch. Pasukhet, Vayakumu anashim vayelechu, Vaitzab Yoshua tahalachim liktovet ha'aretz, Lemor lechu vayithalachu ba'aretz vakitvu otaf v'shuvu alai. The people go and Yoshua commands them to go and to draw out the land. Telling them, go and draw out the land and return to me. And here in Shiloh, I will do the lottery before God to see who gets which portion. The people go and they pass through land. They drew it in a book, the seven portions uh, based on the cities. And they came to Yeshua to the camp in Shiloh. He did the lottery before God. And there Yoshua divided the land for Bnei Israel according to their portions. And then we're going to have, starting tomorrow, just a lot of territories. So we can skim it pretty quickly. Amen. Amen.